0: Welcome to iChurch. Our mission is to break bondage inspiring you. If you like more information, please visit our website, iChurchOKA.com. But now, get ready for what God has to say to you. Now turn to the person you didn't like that much on the other side and tell that person, Sue, hey, I'm glad you're here today too. Go ahead. All right, we're going to wrap up this series titled Success, God's Way. We're saying that we've been teaching how you can have success. You can have success in almost anything you do. It doesn't matter if it's good or bad. You could steal a bank. And I've been teaching all month this. You could steal a bank and be successful at stealing a bank. And you say, Pastor, you can't be successful at stealing a bank. What are you talking about? Yes, if your goal was to get into the bank, take the money out, and not get caught and you achieved it, you're successful at it. Success has nothing to do, nothing to do with something righteous. Success has to do with actually just achieving a goal. So no matter what you try to do in this world, you can be successful at it. You know, today I looked at the ministry to be successful at something that we're not used to doing. See, our ministry is used to the, the, the full-blown lights and action and the drums and the bass and the whole nine yards. And today they toned it down, got rid of everything, and they went pure acoustic. I like what, what Mike said, our worship leader. He said that they became vulnerable. See, and they were successful at it. I mean, they even built a, a, a little what, a fire. A fire. They were not too successful at that, but they were. They, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Props to creative team. They were successful. See, if, if this if if this was their goal, they were successful at it. And you could be pretty much successful at anything you try. You just have to go out and try that. Okay? Now, now having said that, I'm going to start this sermon a little bit different. Okay? I'm going to wrap this up. Um, we're coming close to Easter, and there's something that's on my mind. Have you ever purchased one of those promotional products as seen on TV? Come on, who's, who's ever had one of those procs in their home? Raise your hand. Come on, who's ever had one of those products in their home? You have? Okay, thank you, thank you, thank you. Almost everybody in this room and two or three liars, okay? <laughs> when, we've, we've always purchased, I mean, most of us have been out, and I mean, we don't even pick it up, you, I mean, there's, I remember the Chia Pet, I never had a Chia Pet, but I always wanted one, okay, a Chia Pet, um, I, what's the other one called, the Snuggle? There's a lot of Snuggles out there, Snuggies, I'm sure there's Snuggles too, but I have no idea what that is, Snuggies, Snuggies. They're snuggies. Um, um, what else? Uh, hey, the ab rollers. I go to a lot of houses and you see that. When you go on yard sales out in the summer, you go from home to home. You'll see a lot of people who have brought ab rollers and they're just not working. And you can tell when you look at a couple of people. I, I mean, I see a couple of you that have brought ab rollers and they have obviously not worked, right? Uh, the ab rollers. And then here's, here's another one. Here's another one that I always wanted one. Actually, I always wanted one. I always tried one. Never bought it. But have you guys seen those high definition sunglasses? Have you ever seen that? It's pretty cool. You put on a high-definition sunglass, and you put it on, supposedly, they're like yellowish, and you put them on, you're able to see everything clearly. But here's the thing. Not every time that you buy one of these promotional items, they live their expectations. You could buy it, but they don't live their expectations. My wife brought a salad chopper, a hand salad chopper. She's been laughing since I started this. She's like, oh, no, he's bringing me into the sermon. My wife brought a salad chopper. Okay and it's a, it's it's supposedly you put um you put the item under it and you just cover it and you 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 hit it and it just chops it into a lot of pieces. The cool thing about it is you put an onion in there and when you chop the onion supposedly it takes all the peel off the onion it takes all the peel off the onion and leaves the onion all by itself. And obviously it did not fulfill its expectation. My wife put it in and chopped it. It did nothing and it was a mess. Okay? So it didn't fulfill its expectations. Now now here's a here's another question. Have you ever purchased something, a car or a house, maybe? Or have you ever purchased something that just you saw it on the rack and it looked beautiful and you looked at it or or you saw something at the bakery or you saw something at and you were just walking by and looking. good. But then when you ate it or when you wore it or when you went to use it, it just they didn't fill its expectations. Come on, who's had that experience? Raise your hand. Who's had that experience? You've had something? I've had this experience. Okay, now now here's, here's something I want to share with you. Has that ever happened to you with people? Oh, I got a lot of ums there. I got some people even raising hands. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you know, when you have high expectations on somebody and, and just you thought she would or you thought he would, you know, maybe a boyfriend or girlfriend the older folks in here, we're just not even thinking about that anymore. We're married, so we're saying, well, I don't know. And you probably know better than anybody else. You know, you see one thing, and then you ask yourself, did it turn out that way? You know, did you think it was going to be that way? You know, sometimes your husband, your wife, your job, your co-worker. And, and you have these expectations sometimes on people. And the thing is that sometimes they let you down. Just, they, don't, they didn't fulfill their expectation. It's pretty frustrating. You know what happened to the disciples? The disciples had the same exact thing. The disciples went through a terrible frustration. The the disciples walked around with Jesus. Not just the disciples, the whole Jewish people. they They had these high expectations of a king. See, there's something I want you to understand before we go into today's Bible verse. What I want you to understand is that the people of God had had a terrible time. They had had years of, of captivity under Egypt. And what happened was that in the Old Testament, they, the people of God were just all under oppression all the time. And then Saul came and he freed them. Then David came and he made it better. Then Solomon came and he made them richer. So, so they had expectations. It was really good. Then all of a sudden they go into 70 years of captivity under Babylon the Babylonians and when they're on the and when they're in this captivity which is what we've been teaching all month when they're in this captivity and and they're they're slaves there and they're there against their will they're so frustrated and they go into this series of time that didn't start there but let me tell you something it lasted over 300 years there was nothing written in the bible And and in this time, they're freaking out, and they're waiting out for something, and they're holding on, and they have this really high expectation. So they ran to the Bible, and they went to the New Testament, and I mean the Old Testament, and they started reading what we call messianic prophecies. To those that are not aware of what a messianic prophecy is, they went into what was promises of a guy who was going to come and free them. And these messianic prophecies, what they're based on, the messianic prophecies, what I want you to understand is that they're based on a promise of somebody's gonna come, he's the Messiah. And the Messiah, it, the, the word Messiah means the anointed one, the chosen one. It's the anointed one, the chosen one. But it doesn't just mean the chosen one. You say chosen for what? He was chosen to be the liberator. He was chosen to be the savior. So here they are in oppression waiting for a Savior and they're waiting for somebody who's going to liberate them. Somebody's going to free them from their captivity. They're waiting for somebody. And they're there waiting for them, and, and it's just, and all these promises are there, and they're hoping. Can you imagine yourself, I mean, I mean, just waiting for something great, and you're sitting there and you're waiting for it, and, 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 and what, here's the problem. When they heard that a Messiah was coming, they imagined the governor was coming, they imagined the king was coming. And they didn't think about that because they were wrong. They were probably right. Here, Jesus did not fulfill their expectations. Now, you're sitting there before you freak out and walk out of the room and say, Pastor, what are you doing? You're crazy. No, 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 no. See, there's our problem. We are thinking in our mindset. Stop thinking in our mindset and start thinking in their mindset. You're a prisoner. You're a slave. And you're expecting a freedom from somebody that's going to come. And it's promised. And it's in the Bible. And so it's there more than 300 times. So you're expecting this. And you're under this expectation Pastor, why were they expecting that? Here, let me show you a Bible verse that proves why they were expecting that. Because you you could sit there and say, well, they were wrong on their expectation. I don't think they were wrong on their expectation. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 7 says, and it's just talking about David, and David was the king, and we're expecting somebody. And here's one of the Messianic prophecies. Here's a Messianic prophecy. Here's a promise in the Old Testament, in that time of pain and captivity. In 9, 7, of the greatness of his government, the greatness of his what? His government, they're, so they're, they're expecting a king. And peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne. Okay, now, now, now for sure, if I'm captive, and David's throne, and our kingdom has been gone, and now the Bible's saying that our government's gonna come, and it's gonna take David's throne over, and it's gonna take his kingdom, and then it says establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness, and we've been under oppression from that time on, and forever then it says the zeal of the lord almighty will accomplish it says god's gonna send somebody and he's gonna he's gonna send them with this energy and this umph to come in and to free us and he's gonna take over david's throne so they they had this expectation of a king coming in and conquering the oppression of all these men that have done harm and what do they get this is why i'd say they were frustrated now, now, to you, you're all sitting there, and I'm, 50% of you are sitting at me saying, well, you know, that's just a misinterpretation, the way you're doing it. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. They were expecting a king, and to your eyes and my eyes, it may seem normal because we've been religious for so long and understood Christianity because it's our surroundings. But walk out of our Christian wall. Go speak to a Muslim or Buddhist or an atheist in another country who's never heard of Jesus Christ, and tell them that a king's coming. That we're expecting a Messiah. And then instead of getting the great Messiah, they get a baby. The Messiah's born and he's in a manger. Now that's not too high expectations. That I means our king. Our king's born where? Where is he born? It's like when you guys, I compare it to like when you guys say, Yeah, my pa- I have a pastor, cool guy. Yeah, yeah, he's Puerto Rican. What? <laughs> that's like being born in a manger. <laughs> you know? And, 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 and it's just, it just doesn't fit. So there they are, and they're looking at it, and, and they're saying, What? Our, our, our king is born in a manger? Is that, that's your king? I mean, come on. He has to be royalty. He has to be born in a palace. He has to have power. Here, here's another one, so you could see how abstract it would look. Here's another one. This, this is a really good one. And, and this, this, this one always stands out. And, and especially today, it's Palm Sunday, supposedly. Okay. Okay. A king comes in and i sitting on a jackass, a, on a donkey, and it's not even his. They have to borrow it. <laughs> See, when the triumphant entrance was to be coming in and the king, the savior, the guy that's going to free us from oppression comes, you're expecting him not on a donkey. You're expecting him with the Calvary. Now, some people would say, well, but wait a minute, Pastor, wait, it's a custom. No, no, wait a minute. You're gonna. It was a custom for a king to borrow a donkey from somebody and come in and declare his kingdom? No, you got that story wrong. You need to go back and read it. So, again, it's frustrating that we're expecting a liberator. Jesus says he's the liberator. He says he's the Messiah, and it just doesn't look right. I mean, the whole scenario just doesn't look right. Here, Here's another one. This one, and I love this one because this this is the funny one. Most of it, and I hear everybody bragging about Jesus on this one. Pastor, are you downsizing Jesus? No, I'm telling you to be realistic and see things the way they are out of your common world. I'm challenging you to think out of the box. Here's another one. Here's another one. Jesus and the fish and the loaves of bread. Oh, Pastor, wait a minute. Jesus did big there. Wait, stop. He's with his disciples. He's the Messiah and the liberator, and he has five loaves of bread and two fishes. And you say, yeah, but he multiplied it. Wait a minute, wait, stop, stop. He had five loaves of bread. The king, the king has five loaves of bread and two fishes. How many disciples were there? Twelve. And how many fishes and bread does he have? Have you ever hosted somebody in your house and you're fearing that you won't have enough food? The king goes to a little boy For bread and fishes. The king is not in a palace with the best. See, for us it's hard to relate this because we don't work with a government system that has kings. But can you imagine going to the president of the United States at White House and he says, Well, we have five breads and two fishes. You know, so the expectations of of our Jesus, of our king, of our, you know, the guy. You watch Braveheart. Come on, I love that movie, Braveheart. And here's, and here's Mel Gibson in his role and he stands up and he just says, freedom! And he's a, he's a warrior bringing them to freedom in the middle of war, inspiring them to something great. And our, Jesus, our king is walking, our liberator is walking around with 12 guys and won't overthrow the kingdom. He won't overthrow them. He has 5,000 people sitting on a mountain. He won't do a war. He's supposed to free us. And we're not going to get it from him. In in exchange, they don't get this great king. What do we get? This is what we get. We get a man that was beaten. They put a crown on his head. He was beaten. Whipped. He was hurt. That's what we get. We're expecting this great, marvelous liberator. And the image of our liberator, no matter how religious you want to be, is not a great view he doesn't look like the king that we're expecting the things he goes through are not that of a guy who will bring freedom to us, rather it looks like somebody defeated and hurt it looks like somebody who got beat by the government system, not overthrew it the liberator and the king the messiah the anointed one who's going to save us from the oppression of the government and we're being hurt and enslaved and the scenery does not look right His, 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 his crown is not even a crown of gold but rather they take the crown and the crown that they put on him is a crown of thorns and if that wasn't enough they put on top of his cross here it is the king of the jews they're mockering at him they're making fun of him up there at the cross so he's at the cross and everybody's looking and everybody can make fun of him because the great king has been being crucified and he has thorns on his head what type of liberator and king would do that what a hope do we have and that's why the jewish people did not react Everybody wants to believe that all the people that followed Jesus were all our Jesus. No, no, no. They were doubting about their savior and their king because we thought you were gonna overthrow the government and you were, but you kept on saying you would not do that because your kingdom was another, you would not. So they so they had this product, they had this person, this person was letting him down. It didn't fulfill expectations. Well, here's Let me explain to you why he didn't fulfill our expectations. Let me explain something to you that's a little more inspiring. Isaiah chapter 53 verse 4 says, Surely he took our pain. He took what? Our pain. And bore our suffering. He took your pain and he took your suffering. I don't know where it's painful in your life now. I don't know where you're suffering. But he took our pain and he took our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by and an afflicted. Verse 5 says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. If you, you look at the scenario and the Bible says that he did it because of our transgressions. Every time you've sinned, every time you've made a mistake, every time you've messed up, every time you crossed and every time you went, it's just, it just is bad. He was crushed by our iniquities. And this is the part I want to stand out the most. It says, the punishment that brought us peace was on Him. Your peace is possible because of Him. Your peace is possible because of what He did. And by His wounds, we are healed. I once had a buddy, a little friend of mine, and we used to always play baseball. And we were always told to not play baseball in the backyard. But there we were in the backyard, and it was a big building. And where we were, and we were playing, we would always play, um, stick ball. So if you never played stick ball, I don't know if you have, but you grab, you grab the broom of the stick, you know, stick of the broom, and you stand with it, and we take these little, we used to take these little black balls. Back then, they, they were black, but they, we couldn't even find the blue ones. They were black rubber balls, and they were really, really small. And then if you were really smart, what you did was that you would take tape, and you would tape it up to make it very heavy. Very heavy ball. So if you got when somebody was throwing one of those balls at you, if they threw at you, they hit you, it was gonna hurt hard. So you would stand just there was no running bases, there was nothing. Just 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 the boys, and we were all there, and you'd stand with the stick ball, you'd stand with the stick, and they would throw the ball with all their strength. It'd be overhand, no underhand. It would be overhand as fast as possible. And you could hear the ball coming in. You could hear you could hear it now your job was to hit it but once you hit it it would just go really far if you got a smack at it see and depending where it went was how far you got the building was all the way at the back and it was a lot of levels of building and what happened one day was that we were playing ball and I came and I hit the ball and I took once I couldn't play much sports but that was one thing I could do I could bat and I grabbed the bat and I just took one swing at it and smack I hit it and it went all the way up <laughs> And if you hit the building, it was a home run. But mine didn't, it had to go over the first floor. Mine went into the third floor, right into the kitchen of somebody, right through the window. And it shattered the glass. And the managers of the property came running out. And when they came running out, I told you kids. All the kids started jumping the fence and dropped everything. I had my bike there. So I couldn't leave my bike. So I tried to get on my bike and my friend too. And we took off. As soon as we took off with the bikes, they stopped us there. The security of the property pulled us over and they asked, what did you do? And I was scared because, see, I don't know about your home, but in my home, my parents didn't reprimand you verbally. There was no verbal reprimandation at it. I don't even. I found out what that was when I had kids. In my cat, in my house, the belt did all the speaking. That's what my parents did. You know, they would they would teach us. They would set us right. You know, my mom had. I remember she had this slipper. It was the iron slipper, man. She could hit me. She could program that slipper and hit me. I could walk around the bench. She would say, "Follow Carlos" and throw it. It would fly, hit me, spank me, and come right back to her hand. And that's just the way. So I'm thinking when I get home, I am going to get this beaten for what I did. I broke this window and I was freaking out. And here's the thing. My friend stood up and he said he knew that. Now his parents, his parents wouldn't do that to him. So he stood up and he said, he said, it was me. I broke the window. And it was not him. It was me. But he was taking the blame for it. He says, no, 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 it was me, it was me, it was me. Now, I remember his dad's name was Perez. And, he, and, and then the, the manager said, well, you live across the street, so come on. They took him across the street, rang the doorbell, and I'm standing there watching it all. And his dad comes out and says, what happened? And the security officer's there, and everybody's there, and the manager's there. He says, well, you're, these kids have gone into the yard, and we've told them a lot of times to not play there. They can't play there, but they play there. And they..." He, your son hit the ball. They no, didn't say hit, hit the ball. He said, threw a rock at the window. So he said, threw a rock at the window and broke the window. And now you're responsible for that. And I remember Hector. Hector Perez was his dad. A very nice guy. And Hector Perez looked at him right there. And and, and I, like always, you know, we, Hector, this is the house that all kids wanted to hang out with because dad was really, really cool. So I said, okay, we'll get off the hook. And right there in front of everybody, his dad slapped him right across the face. He says, he did what? And he went, raised his hand and slapped him. We couldn't be more than seven, eight years old. He slapped him across the face. thus. And, and and little Hector started, he just he just stood there. He couldn't believe his dad smacked him. And he said, and then the, the officer said, and you guys are gonna have to pay for it. And He turned to him and went, you did what? You did what? And he took off his belt. At that point, I'm staring at it. And I got the most crazy guilt I've ever felt all my life. I'm like, man, that's my, I'm supposed to get that beaten. I'm supposed to get those stripes. I'm the one that's guilty. But Hector is taking the pain for me. So there's Jesus taking the pain. And when you ask me, pastor, why were they deceived? Why were expectations not filled? Because see, Jesus could have taken the throne. Jesus could have done that a long time ago. In fact, Jesus could have already returned if he wanted to. The the reason he didn't do it was because of your transgressions and my transgressions. The reason he didn't do it was because he knew that you were going to mess up last week. He knew that you were going to go. So he said, you know what? The only way that I could do this is if I go to the cross and I'm crucified. So the expectations at the moment were not correct. Now I'm going somewhere with this that I haven't even hit yet. I'm not trying to teach that. Now if you're here you've never heard that, that's great. If you're here and you've heard that thousands of times, you say, I understand, it. I'm going somewhere with this. Pastor, where are you going? Watch this. The expectations didn't seem right of the king. But because of what he did, you and I today, are forgiven and can go to heaven if you accept Him as your savior anything you did listen up listen anything you did could be washed away now listen up listen up anything you have done this week wrong could be washed away if you come to jesus christ and if you belong to him you come and say god here i am i've messed up forgive me and god will forgive you now watch this watch this if you have not known Jesus Christ right now, you need to not leave this room without giving your life and surrendering it to Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ, wash my sins away. Forgive me because you paid the price at the cross and I need you. Amen. And if you have not done that, please do not leave this room without doing that. Now, to all those that have already done that, why don't you learn the lesson once and for all? Pastor, what lesson? What are you talking about? In this life, if the father let his son go through a situation that was difficult because he had a greater purpose, why would you not understand that the reason you go through tough situations is because he has a greater purpose for you? Pastor, but the expectations I was expecting, I thought that by now my daughter, I thought by now my marriage, I thought by now my, my, I like what Chastity said at the beginning with the house. I thought, no, listen, if you back up for a second, you will understand that what I'm trying to teach you is that at the moment, even Jesus Christ didn't look like if it was all in order. You know, even Jesus Christ, if you really look at it from a non-Christian point of view, it didn't look right. What he was going through didn't seem normal but the truth is that sometimes God allows you to be born in a manger or he allows you to ride it on a donkey or he allows you to not have enough fish or bread he allows you to go through situations he allows crowns on your head that are not the ones you expected God allows us to go through difficult situations in this world but if you step aside and you wait for a second I promise you that what you're going through now is nothing compared to the glory of God of what will come later and how he'll bless you can you sit there believe this can you receive this in your life there's something greater that's about to happen there's something greater that's about to happen pastor but I'm frustrated man you know it's just repetitive in my life yes and God is sending me to your life right now to speak to you and to tell you that the cross of Calvary makes no sense and it doesn't fill the expectations of those that are waiting for a savior unless you're really religious But even though it didn't seem to fulfill the expectations, his death at the cross of Calvary gives us salvation, guys. What seemed silly and stupid was actually one of the greatest things that could ever happen in this world. His death at the cross of Calvary changes you and it changes me. But it didn't seem right at the moment. So when you look at your life and you say, Pastor, it doesn't seem right. You gotta stop and pause. And you gotta think to yourself, why doesn't it seem right? Listen, I'm gonna read you this last story and then I'll dismiss you and I'll let you go, but I wanna read you this last story. I want you to go with me to the book of Luke, chapter 22, verse 42 through 46. Jesus is going through a season in his life where things are getting difficult and the situation doesn't seem correct. And in Luke chapter 22, verse 42, Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane and he's there in pain and he knows he's going through a difficult situation. He knows he's going to be crucified. He knows they're going to do all these things to him. And in Luke 22:42, even though he knew things were not turning out the way he expected, hello, I'm speaking to you, even though he knew things were not going to turn out the way he expected it, He said, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was like drops of blood falling on the ground verse 45 when he rose from the prayer and went back to the disciples listen to this when he rose and went back he's going through a terrible moment and when he rose and went back to his disciples the ones he was expecting to be there the ones he was expecting to back him up he found them asleep exhausted from sorrow and he says why are you guys sleeping get up and pray so that you will, you will not fall into temptation. He doesn't say so I won't fall. He says so you won't fall into, into temptations. Sometimes our current situation is only a sign. Come on, I'm speaking to somebody. Sometimes our current situation is only a sign of God letting you know why he's not allowing for it to happen. Pastor, I wish this would happen in my life. I wish I'd find that woman in my life. I wish I'd find that my life. Pastor, I wish I would I would be able to do this for God. Pastor, I wish I would be able to do this. Pastor, I just, I, I had it all planned. I thought it was going to be this way. And I'm telling you that sometimes it doesn't work that way because God wants you to go through something because He's teaching you a bigger purpose or something greater right behind it. And if you hold on long enough, it will be so big. Now, this sounds cliche because all of you could sit here and most of you have been Christian all your life and you'll sit here and say, yeah, I know all things work for good for those that love Christ. You know what I'm, what I'm telling you? What I'm telling you is that if you're able to sit there right now and pay attention to me before I close this sermon you'll be able to realize that before you walk out of this room no matter what you're going through I'm telling you if you stop for a second and look at it the things you did not understand and made no sense to you and you did not expect was God from heaven looking down at you because he's preparing something as powerful as the crucifixion he's preparing the platform for his grace and mercy to fall upon you pastor how do you know that how do you know that because I know God has a plan of success for you. Jeremiah 29:11 establishes it in the middle of captivity, in the middle of Babylonian empire um, slavery. This is what God said to His people when they were going through the roughest time. And I've taught you this all month, and I'm gonna repeat it one more time. God told His people the same thing I'm telling you. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and the future. God's going to give you all of that. And verse 12 says, and I'll end this series saying, then you will call on me. Listen, you will call on me. When you're going through difficult situations, when you don't understand why it works, when you feel you can't do it anymore, you will call on me and come and pray to me and listen, the Bible says that God says, and I will listen to you. He's not saying it's conditional. He says if you come to me, I will listen to you. He says in verse 13, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. So it doesn't matter how big your giant is. It doesn't matter how, bar, how hard the heartache is. It doesn't matter if you've been through this four or five times. It doesn't matter if you think there's a mountain hard to achieve. It doesn't matter if you're discouraged by the people that surround you. It doesn't mean if people have let you down. It just says that if you seek him, you'll find him if you do it with all your heart and all your heart. Verse 14 says, "I will be found by you." He doesn't say, "I'm going to be found by your neighbor." He doesn't say, "I'm going to." send somebody. He doesn't say, Pastor God's going to take you there. He says, if you come to me, I will let you find me. If you say, God, I need you, man, right now, because things haven't been turning out the way I expected them. I was supposed to be this great husband. I was supposed to be this great dad. I was supposed to not get sick. I was supposed to be able to have a great ministry. I was supposed to be able to see my son serve God. I was supposed to be able to see my family complete. I was. I thought that by now, I'd be. The Bible says that you shouldn't do that. You should stop and seek Him with all your heart, and say, "God, you know what? I'm going to seek You, and because I'm going to seek You with a, with a with a whole humble heart, I know that something's going to happen. And it's that like you're going to let you're going to yourself be found. I'm going to find you, Pastor. What are you saying? You cannot seek God with a humble heart and not find Him. You will find. Him. Will you please close your eyes and bow your heads for a moment and allow me to speak into your life?